This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here comes the stretch. And the 0-2 pitch to Piazza on the way. Swing and a miss, and it's over, and he got the job done. He struck out everybody he faced except one man, and that was Swisher that he walked. So he strikes out four men, and the Mariners' string is back to two. And the Mariners are back to 10 games over 500. Pitching, pitching, pitching the name of the game here this afternoon. J.J. Putts was a dominant Mariners closer, racking up over 100 saves from 2003 to 2008, including an all-star appearance in 2007. 308 games in total pitched in a Mariners uniform. So, J.J., before we start about your Mariners career, I want to talk about your Michigan days. You grew up in Michigan. You played at Michigan when you look back on your career, how influential do you think those Michigan days were to you as a ball player? I think they were extremely important. I, I think, um, you know, the one thing I would, I've always told people, you know, is it better to get signed out of high school, out of college? Where does it kind of slide you in as far as, you know, rookie ball, A ball, double A? Um, and I, I'm still a big fan of, of kids going to college and just having that you know, college experience and, and having that be your first time, you know, kind of on your own, but with also a little bit of guidance with the college coaches and, the, you know, the, 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 the staff that they have at college for you to, you know, teach you the ins and outs of kind of living on your own. And I think uh, I, I, I'm fairly confident I probably would have made it uh, in the career that I did without going to college. I think being thrown out, to the wolves, so to speak, as a 17, 18 year old kid would have been a lot tougher than, you know, having that time to grow as a person in college. Did you really live down the hall from Tom Brady your freshman year? I did. I did. <laughs> yep. Um, he was right down the hall. Um, didn't see much of him. He was always down at the football field. But, uh, you know, you ask anybody that was in, in college during that time and had the opportunity to, you know, meet him and, and be around him there's really no surprise as to, you know, why he's become the player he, he is because he was, he was working that hard back in the college days. So nobody was really that surprised. Well, you had a tremendous career at Michigan. And for those who don't remember, you were actually a starter in the minor leagues up until you transitioned to the bullpen in 2003. How difficult was that transition going from a starter essentially your whole life to the bullpen? You know, it's just more of a, a mental uh, change, you know, as far as pitching wise, because as a starter, you kind of go out there and you know, you, you, your, your job at that point is to go, you know, as deep as you can into a game. So you kind of reserve some. And when you go to the bullpen, it's kind of like, well, here you go, here's your inning, go get it. And you just kind of like, let it go. And I think myself included, there's a lot of guys that, you know, maybe were starting pitchers that were, you know, for me, I was like a 92 to 95 kind of pitcher with the fastball. And then as soon as you go to the bullpen a couple of times and you just kind of rear back and let it go, your velocity jumps up and, it's just a, it, for me, it was just a more mentality uh, of, of kind of give it all you got for that short period of time you're in the game. And 
you know, also not having four days off in between starts, just being ready to go every single day was another adjustment you had to, to get through. But, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun being in the bullpen. And as it turned out, uh, since every starter took their turn in 2003, it was probably good timing that you went to the bullpen that year and actually made your major league debut. Yeah, extremely good timing. And, you know, when they, when they first tell you, listen, we're going to move you to the bullpen, you kind of take that as, uh, oh, man, must suck as a starter. But uh, in reality, that's really not the case. It just They just thought, you know, for that, that year with the team that they had, they thought if I was going to come up and help, it would have been out of the bullpen and, you know, Thank goodness that's what happened because I think if – who knows what, where I'd be right now if I was still a starting pitcher because, like you said, not one starting pitcher got called up because the, the, that team, the starters, did not miss a start. and It was like the first time in like 100-something years that that happened. So everything happens for a reason. I'm happy they decided to move me to the pen, and the rest is history. It's still hard to believe that happened. <laughs> it's amazing. It's crazy. It's crazy. Tell us about the evolution of the splitter for you. Yeah, another um, right time, right place, I guess. Uh, I was fortunate to, one, know a guy named Eddie Guardado, but two, call him a teammate and a throwing partner. And it was early in spring training. I think I was pitching that day in camp, and I had messed around with a splitter here and there in the past, and nothing really felt good. Nothing was very consistent. And he just took the ball and, like, turned it about a quarter of a turn, this grip, kind of felt odd in my hand and started playing catch with it. And it was just falling off the table. I took it into the game and that became my pitch. And it's all to uh, Eddie Guardado's credit. And it's amazing to look at the run you went on. I mean, 2004, 2005, you're a mainstay in the bullpen, but man, your 2006 starting there was just incredible. A hundred strikeouts and 78 innings, you know, an ERA under two and a half. It was remarkable. It was what was the the driving force for that run starting in two thousand six in your mind? I th- I think it was solely the, the split finger. Um, you know, I was never really I was a strikeout guy, but never a high strikeout guy. And when we added that to the repertoire, um, things just kind of clicked. And you know, a- another thing I would have to say was probably Kenji Jojima. Uh, behind the plate, kind of a different, I guess, game caller, more of a, you know, backwards kind of calling games. Didn't really have to, you know, it wasn't like a, let's establish the fastball first pitch every hitter. We would kind of pitch backwards from time to time. And it just made you, for me, it just made me pitch instead of just reach back and throw. And like I said, being able to get ahead and then have that splitter to go to to put guys away that splitter just made your fastball that much better. And I would say between the combination of Eddie, you know, kind of playing around with his split finger and then the way Kenji called games for me when I would come in, that was probably the two driving forces behind that season. In 2007, it continued a a 1.38 ERA for the season. You know, at one point you record, what, 30 straight saves. You were an all-star in 07. I mean, what was that feeling like going out there knowing that you were completely dominant and you were going to get the save that night? That had to be the greatest feeling in the world. I mean, when things are going good, it does. You just kind of – you don't think a whole lot out there. And you just kind of, you know, stick to your routine and just trust the guy behind the plate calling the pitches. And there wasn't a whole lot of shaking things off during those, those good times. It just Everything just kind of seemed to flow. 
and come together. And yeah, it, it was nice going out there and, and being able to just shut the door and, and, you know, finish games for the starting pitchers. Um, and to be able to, to make the all-star team was a dream come true. It was great to share that with Ichiro. Um, he was the MVP of that game. It was, it was just a, it was a, you know, storybook season for, for me personally, not as a team, but for me personally. What do you remember about that all-star game? Just, you know, looking around and seeing, you mentioned Ichiro, but the Jeters of the world and Vlad Guerrero and everyone else who was on your team. It was it was kind of crazy to sit in that in the you know to go after the parade and get to the clubhouse and you know Jimmy Leland has a little pregame talk and you look around it's like holy cow these guys are unbelievable I can't believe I'm actually sitting in the same locker room with these guys um, didn't end up going the way I wanted to in the ninth inning but uh, still a you know a memory that I'll have forever it was great uh, tons of family in town um, just a, a really fun weekend. I guess week. It's not really a weekend. It was more during the week, but uh, it was just a fun few days. I mean, I know you didn't get the save in that game, but I mean, you were the guy they went to. You know, with all the pitchers on that roster, you were the guy they went to in that situation. Was I guess is a testament to the kind of season you were having. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a true honor. I mean, when 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 Leland came and said you're closing this game out for me today, uh, you know, obviously the nerves hit right away. You're like, holy crap. I'm going to close out an all-star game. Um, and I just remember I made a good pitch on, I can't remember who it was, but I made a good pitch on a guy and uh, Brian Roberts had a tough, got a tough hop and it, you know, the floodgates kind of opened up a little bit in there. And then I, I think Frankie Rodriguez came in and shut the door and, you know, we got the win. So that was good. It was, again, it's just a memory that you just never will forget um, being out there on that field with that, with that, that caliber of, of talent around you was, was a truly unbelievable experience. I mean, that season is just one of the great all-time relief seasons in really any pitching season in Mariners history. Well, you were 13th in MVP voting as well. When you think back on that season, what are kind of the memories? What do you think about? I, to, to be honest with you, perfectly honest with you, there's not a whole lot that I think about. It was just it, it, literally everything just seemed to go smoothly when I got the ball. And, again, I, I – I go back to, to the catchers we had, you know, Kenji and, and, and Berkey and it, it just, it was just seamless. It just, everything just seemed to, to, to just, to just work. And I think when you're in that kind of a, a rhythm and that kind of a zone, there's not a whole lot of thinking going on. Um, I, I just remember that it was just a, a, that, that season alone, like that, that was a great group of guys I was with. Um, just fun guys to watch play. You know, you have Beltre and, and, and Ichiro. Um, you're watching what Felix was doing coming into his own at that point. Um, it was just a fun, fun group. Fun group of guys. Do you have a favorite moment in a Mariners uniform or a couple of moments in a Mariners uniform? Man, I would say, man, watching Ichiro break the hit record was one for sure. That was just incredible. And another one that didn't didn't end up finishing the thing, but when Felix had a no hitter in Boston at Fenway Park, I just remember being in the bullpen warming up, you know, just in case. And you know, the Boston fans, you know, they're great fans out there in Boston, but you know, they can get on you from time to time. And they were just like begging me to go into the game because they—that's how good <laughs> Felix's stuff was that night. And you know, I, I think I ended up coming into that game, and I think we got the win. But Felix, that that was some of the best. 
pure stuff. I mean, his fastball, I believe, that night was like 97, 98. And I think his slider was like what we would love to have some of our fastballs at times, like 92, 93. And it was just, it was electric. And, the, you know, the atmosphere at Fenway was great. And I want to say it was uh, J.D. Drew that I think broke up the no-hitter, maybe in the eighth inning with a single. Um, but that was some of the best pure stuff I've ever witnessed with my own eyes of a starting pitcher going out there just with stuff and just complete command and domination for what Felix did that that night in Boston. You've mentioned Ichiro. What was it like sharing a clubhouse with Ichiro? You know, um, Ichiro was uh, one of the most disciplined, routine-oriented guys I ever played with. You, you, you always knew where he was going to be because it was, it was in that same spot every single day. You know, I mean, it was down to the point where, like, you know, he would come in early. He'd have, like, his full-body massage stretch every single day. He would eat these, like, plum rice balls, like, let, let, like say, like, 635 every single day in his locker before he'd go out for the field. Everything about this guy was planned to perfection. I, I remember him saying he would never watch bad baseball, whether it was – you know, bad baseball. What does that mean? Watching the Little League World Series, like that's just not good brand of baseball, in his opinion. At that, you know, and even though they're kids, he would never watch videos of him getting out because it was just negative reinforcement. And I think guys around him kind of learned a little bit about that. Like, why would you? And it makes sense. Why would you watch yourself fail over and over again? Why not watch yourself succeed over and over again? So he would watch the good hits, but never the bad outs. Um, and he was just. I mean, a pro's pro. I mean, everything he did, the way he carried himself on the field. The, the, the most underrated thing about Ichiro was his defense, right? Like, that guy could go get a ball anywhere, and you talk about an arm. He's got to have one of the greatest arms of all time in the outfield. And so to, to be able to, you know, you know, our view in the bullpen, to sit back at Safeco and just watch this unfold was truly remarkable. Yeah, no doubt about it. So – for every pitcher, there's there's hitters that you can get. There's hitters for whatever reason you struggle against. I I read your story about Gary Matthews Jr. and I laughed out loud about the curveball. You got to tell us trying to get about trying to get Gary Matthews Jr. out. <laughs> I mean, listen, there, there's guys that you know that you look on deck and you're like, all right, I'm gonna walk this guy because I know I'll get this guy out. And then there's guys when they're on deck, you're like, I better get this guy out because I have no chance to get that guy out. And that was Gary Matthews Jr. for me. And I hadn't thrown a curveball, I'm going to say, probably in like three or four years. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to start him off the first pitch curveball. I don't even care if it's a strike. Just to get, like, something going. And, you know, of course he hits it out of the ballpark. And you're like, what the hell is going on? I, I literally cannot get this guy out. And I went on vacation with a good buddy, Joe Saunders, and his wife and my wife to Capri, Italy. And, you know, you're just going to relax and have a good trip. And the four of us are walking down the streets of Capri, and I'll be damned. Who comes walking up? Gary Matthews Jr. <laughs> I cannot escape this guy no matter where I'm at in the world. And, you know, he's a great guy. Um, we laugh about it whenever we do see each other. We had, we had a nice laugh in Capri. I, you know, I told him, I said, dude, I'm trying to get away from you. I go on vacation, and you're still haunting me on vacation. <laughs> so you, you didn't challenge him there's right just there some, Italy? I did not challenge him. I, I, you know, I was scared. You know, I, I'm surprised he didn't like carry a wiffle ball and a wiffle ball bat with him just in case he saw me and he wanted to get some BP in. 
That's so great. Well, it works the other way, though. Who are, who are a couple of great hitters that, for whatever reason, you had their number? I can say it now because I'm done playing. But, um, you know, David Ortiz was a guy that I, would, I used to never hate. I, I, I used to love facing him. Um, if there was between him and another guy, I would, I would rather have him. I, I'm not sure he got a hit off me. Um, you know, A-Rod was another guy that I, for whatever, you know, and it, it's crazy. Like, it, it, for whatever reason, he just didn't see the ball well off me. And there's guys, Orlando Cabrera is another guy that I did not want him in the batter's box with the game on the line because somehow, some way, he was going to get a hit. And, it, you know, it goes back and forth, and I'm sure the hitters know which pitchers they struggle against and which guys they lick their chops on. But that's just the beautiful thing about the game of baseball. It doesn't matter. <laughs> any, diff- any given day, a guy can get you. What do you remember about your Major League debut in 2003? I remember um, the long jog from, safe, from the bullpen at Safeco, not being able to feel my legs, uh, get through the warm-ups. I want to say the first, kid I, the first hitter I faced was Bobby Kilty. And... I want to say my two fastballs were about 57 feet straight in the dirt. <laughs> and Danny Wilson called a 2-0 changeup. And I have not, I don't think I had thrown a changeup all year in AAA. And I was just like, well, I'm not shaking Dan Wilson off in a big league game on my debut. So I threw a 2-0 changeup and I got him to pop up. And that kind of settled you down and, you know, kind of let you take a big deep breath um, and then relax and realize like, okay, I can get guys out here. Someone were to list out the best relievers in Mariners history. I mean, you were obviously on that list. Jeff Nelson, Arthur Rhodes, Kasasaki. I mean, you shared a bullpen with all these guys. I did. I was and, and I was very fortunate. And I, I think this is something that is maybe overlooked a little bit in, in today's game. Is as a young guy coming up, I, I was I was taught how to be a big leaguer from some of the best, like you said, Arthur. Nelly, Shiggy, um, I mean, just uh, um, Mike Myers, like guys that have had huge success in the big leagues, mentoring me, Eddie Guardado, and and you know, a good buddy of mine, Matt Thornton, was was the a benefactor of those same guys, and he went on to have a very successful career as well. And I think a lot of that has to go back to these young kids who they're surrounded by when they come up and how they're taught to play the game. I remember I, and I told Arthur this, I hated Arthur the first time I, I, I was there with him. I, I, every plane trip, I wanted to stab him with a fork. Like he was, but you know what? You look back and he came back his second go around with us when I was there in Seattle. And when he came, when I first saw him, I, I gave him a hug and said, thanks. Thanks for teaching me how to do things the right way. Cause you don't really realize it when you're in it. And then when he's gone and then you look back, you're like, Holy cow that was the best thing that ever happened to me, the way Arthur taught me how to be a big leaguer. And it, it's, it's something that I think is lost a little bit in today's game. And maybe they don't value as much the veteran leadership and, and, and teaching these kids how to play the game the right way at, at the highest level. And for fans that don't know, you're still in the game today. Uh, tell everyone what you're up to these days. Well, I'm a special assistant to the president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, Derek Hall. Um, I've been doing that since 2015. Uh, with another Mariner great, Willie Bloomquist. So, yeah, we just kind of do some corporate sponsor events, season ticket holder events, a lot of community outreach things. It's been a little weird the last year and a half. Not a whole lot to do down at the field. But, um, yeah, so that's what we've been up to. That and coaching 12U baseball and watching my other kids play sports and all that good stuff. That's phenomenal. You had such a remarkable career. 
12 years, parts of 12 years in the majors. What are you most proud of when you look back at everything you accomplished? Um, I would say I'm just most proud of, I guess, again, going back to the guys that, that taught me this, just the way I did play the game. Mm. Um, I felt like I played the game right. I've always had respect for the game, the, 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 the people I played with, the people I played against. Um, and, you know, I think just the longevity to be able to say, say that you played 10 plus years is a small fraternity of people. And a lot of that is, you know, luck with health, but uh, a lot of hard work and just great teammates. Uh, that's, I'm just more, more proud of just being around great, great people and meeting great people in the game. Did you keep very much from your playing career? Yeah, I did. I, I have, I have a decent collection of autographed jerseys of guys that, you know, I've, I've, I never really sent stuff to the other side to get signed unless I'd asked the person face to face. Cause I feel like it just means more when, when you have the conversation of a, with a guy and ask him, you know, why you want this Jersey signed or a bat signed. I, I got a bunch of bats signed for my son to him mm-hmm. from guys that I, I either respected a bunch as a player or, you know, some of the greats, but I always, I always asked. And um, so I have, I have a decent amount of jerseys, balls and bats signed by guys. So last one for you, JJ. You had 101 saves in a Mariners uniform, which is an incredible number. Do you have a favorite save as a Mariner? Yeah, um, I do. It was uh, probably one of the most electric nights at Safeco that I remember. Um, the Giants were in town. Um, Barry Bonds came up with two outs. It was a two-run lead. And, you know, there was conversation of walking him to face Moises Alou, who, you know, he could take you deep at the drop of a hat just as well. So, um, and you know, you always want to face the best. And I just remember that, that at bat with Barry, you know, I, I threw a fastball first pitch and he fouled it. You know, I think it was like 98. He fouls it straight back. And I was like, Holy cow, how are we going to get this guy out? You know, he's just massive human being. You know, he's got the armor on his right elbow guard, just kind of hanging over the middle of the plate. The bat looks like a toothpick in his hand. And I just remember we got to a three, two count. And I was like, listen, I'm, I'm just, I wanted to challenge him. I wanted to go best fastball. And, you know, Kenji's calling splitter. I shook it off, splitter, shook it off. He points to the dugout, basically saying, like, this pitch is coming from the dugout. And I said, all right, here we go. And I just grabbed the split finger grip, and I, it was the hardest pitch I tried to throw maybe in my lifetime. And I believe it was like 92 or 93 mile an hour split. Just kind of locked him up, strike three called. And I just remember that was like one of the greatest, loudest that I've, that I had a, a part of being at Safeco. Mm. And that, that, that was one save that I'll never forget. That's incredible. What a great moment. JJ, thanks for all the time. We really appreciate it. This was fun sharing some stories. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was great catching up with everybody.